Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy on Cole. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bulldogs. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, so for a radio guy, Kenny, this is what what it's all about. This kind of feels like Monday through Friday, right? We get this midweek show. We get a chance to react. Great to be back in your life for a second time this week, no less. Wednesday, January 25, 2023, episode 383 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And let's get right into it, Ken Flo, because it gives us a chance to react to some news. And uh, as Yuri Prohaska told Ariel Helwani on MMAfighting.com on Monday, everything is going great. Next week, I'm going to Vegas to continue in rehabilitation and all these processes to be quick, to have the fastest way back possible. I don't want to be too fast for the shoulder, but it's getting much better than everybody expects. So I'm happy for that. I think I can be back in July or August, something like that, six or seven months, something like that. So we were told this was the most devastating shoulder injury in UFC history. And in part, that's why we did not have him as a part of our conversation 48 hours ago when we were talking about the first title defense for one Jamal Hill, and we were talking about Alex Pineda and Anthony Smith and Magomed Ankalaev and everybody else. So I don't even know what to believe. I haven't seen so much as a scar on Yuri Prohaska, unless I'm not paying attention, but sounds like this guy might be ready come this summer, and that would seemingly dovetail with the new UFC light heavyweight champion, maybe International Fight Week thereafter. I don't know, but I don't know, man. People are honest for not including Yuri Prohaska's name in the uh, in the mix. I guess he's ready to go in six months. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely crazy. You know, the worst shoulder injury ever hasn't met Yuri Prohaska before. So that's the problem. Uh, Yuri, just an absolute beast. I, I love to hear that. You know, typically you'll hear a lot of doctors, especially with athletes, give you the worst case scenario to prepare for that kind of mentally and get you uh, ready for the long road to, to re- you know, rehabilitation. Um, and, uh, 
you know, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously everything continues to go well for him. And we see him back as soon as possible. I think he's one of the most exciting fighters in the sport. Uh, and, and that's just great news. Built different, I guess, would be one mm-hmm. way to describe it. And certainly we saw with Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills safety, who recovered remarkably uh, after going into cardi- cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, you know, young athletes really uh, have a penchant for uh, recovering quickly. And seemingly that is the case with Yuri Prohaska. And that's great news because obviously that title fight, Prohaska and Jamal Hill, is absolutely fascinating if indeed that is the next fight. A uh, lot coming up t- today. Brian Petrie is coming up in about two minutes. We will also talk to Fight Rit Ready head pro MMA coach Santino DeFranco. He's got a book out and uh, obviously a lot of high-profile UFC and MMA athletes as well. Um, Boston Bruins, by the way, Ken Flo, in the National Hockey League, right? 38-5-4. and four. Fastest team to 80 points in NHL history Crazy. after a win over the Montreal Canadiens last night. I am going to see the Boston Bruins against the Florida Panthers here in three days. Ooh. We're sitting in row two, me and my children. It's a 6 p.m. start, so it'll be a little little late for the little guy, Hunter, but he'll be okay. But I'm very excited to, uh, to see the Bruins, so I wanted to get that out there. And one other thing before we get to Petrie. So, you know, my daughter broke her toe, and right now we find out it might actually be broken in two places. We're not sure, but it's interesting, right, to hear a, a, an honest pedi- pediatric orthopedist say, you know, if she was a pro, I might consider putting a screw in it to try to get her back more quickly, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of ped- pediatric orthopedists might not say that to you. So uh, I thought that was very interesting. Needless to say, my daughter's not professional. So we will not be putting a screw in her big toe, but uh, it's the boot for another month. You know, it's funny. The only thing that I've actually broken was in soccer. It was a toe. It was a, my fifth metatarsal playing soccer. Uh, I'm sure I broke my nose before. But, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, I did MMA my whole life. And the only thing that really I had as far as a broken bone was from soccer. But anyways, that? I hope she recovers quick, man. That's that's good. Crazy. Good genes for Kenflo. And uh, yeah, you got to have broken the nose at some point in time. <laughs> good defense, probably better than uh, than anything else. All right. A lot to get to today as we continue our UFC 283 recap. And it gives me great pleasure to uh, bring into the conversation host of the MMA Takes podcast, Brian Petrie. Handicapper to the stars at Brian Petrie oh. MMA. What's up, yes. man? Hey, boys. Cincinnati football Bengals. You know... Anakin and Florian podcast host Jason Anik, yes. as as sort of respectfully as he could say this publicly, you know, felt like the Cincinnati Bengals got absolutely hosed. So nice to see them in the final four in the AFC championship game. Yes, Jay sent me a very nice text when we pretty much wrapped it up Saturday. I thought, it, I mean, I, I, I played the Bengals money line because they were plus 210, which I thought was very disrespectful, very little baby bet, but I want to play the over. Because I thought the over was a sure thing hit. Good thing I didn't because it didn't go over. I thought it was going to be points, 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 points. But the Bengals just shut them down in the snow. Now we're getting the, oh, the Bengals wore the all whites. That's why they, you know, the Bills couldn't see them in the snow. We're getting all this bullshit because no one wants to expect the Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, we got Joe Shiesty back there. We got a good team. You know, we start 0-2 and and now we're on this run. And all we got to do is beat Kansas City again with a high ankle sprain Mahomes, which I think we're going to do. Uh, that line moved. I don't know if you saw that, Johnny. It opened at, uh, uh, we were plus three and a half dogs. Now we're currently favorites on some books. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. A lot of line moved, but can't be more excited, man. Very exciting stuff. So 
I think a lot of the nation was rooting for the Buffalo Bills, in part because it's a star franchise. Not that the Cincinnati Bengals are not. The Bengals did go to the Super Bowl last year, and obviously you and I both know the Cincinnati Bengals let one get away last year, right? But as a New England Patriots fan, it's just really hard to – to get myself in a rooting direction for the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, or the Buffalo Bills, right? So as a lot of our listenership knows, you know, I place bets on the Buffalo Bills to try to take them down so as for them to lose, right? So um, I thought it might give you some pleasure today for me to rip up all my Buffalo Bills tickets live on the air in front of you. So um, let's just see what we have here before we get back into the UFC 283 (laughs) stuff. So here is a bet placed on April 29th, 2022. At Mandalay Bay or, or MGM, uh, at plus 650, Bills to win the Super Bowl, 200 to pay 1,500. Or as we like to say, yeah. 200 to pay zero. You know, take down the Buffalo <laughs> yeah. Bills. Take them yeah, right down. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. <laughs> All right. This next one is um, this was placed on July 1st, 2022. You know, got a couple extra hundred bucks in the pocket leaving Vegas. Sure. Just trying, trying to take the Buffalo Bills yeah. down. Plus 600, placed at Red Rock, uh, 200 to pay. Uh, 200 to pay 1200 or as we like to say, 200 to pay zero. We'll rip that up. Buffalo Bills not winning the Super Bowl this year. Buffalo Bills not winning the Super Bowl this year. And then finally, uh, June 27th, so a few days prior at Red Rock. What a degenerate. $300 uh, to pay 1800 on the Buffalo Bills to, to win the Super Bowl or zero. I'm out of here. Thank you, right. John. As a, ha- of a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I think I can speak for the beautiful city of Cincinnati. Thank you for taking down the Buffalo Bills for us. That was much needed. <laughs> Everyone was on the Bills, I felt like. I mean, listen, they're f- – they're, they're a team I can understand you root for. Buffalo is is a type of city. It you know some people call it a town. It's not really a city. It's very cool. They jump through tables, all that stuff. That's great, but you know, I can't believe how many Pats fans root for the Bills. That's crazy to me. Like a lot of Barstool guys. You know, I love Barstool. A lot of those Barstool guys yeah. like sneaky. You'll never catch me rooting for the Steelers, the Browns, or the Ravens ever. I was so shocked that people were doing that. It's weird to me. Yeah, you won't find that on the Anakin Florian podcast. You won't find a lot of Buffalo Bills support. All right. I want to share with you guys some quotes from John Hackleman, dear friend of the program. And uh, we have messaged privately. He does want to come talk about this fight. So either on Instagram Live or on the Anakin Florian podcast channel or here on the DraftKings YouTube channel, uh, at some point you're going to hear from Hack. But these are the quotes. And I think candidly, when we sit down with him, you're going to hear a lot of this as well. If you don't know, he told MMA Fighting that he is going to uh, heretofore retire from cornering. And on the broadcast, if you missed it, you know, I sort of suggested after round four that if I know John Hackham in the way I think I do, he's going to try to stop this fight. And then I was able to read his lips and he said something to the effect of, uh, can we stop this thing? So here are the mm-hmm. quotes from John Hackleman. I'm a known fight stopper in between rounds. I'm kind of known for that, maybe a little too much at times, but I thought this was a good time to stop it. I was outvoted in the corner, and I'm going to read these. They may be a little bit out of out of order, but win or lose, Glover would have retired. He's ready. He's done enough. He's proved enough. I just don't like to see guys get any kind of beatings or brain damage. I'm just real quick on the gun. I'm thankful they didn't stop it. I know this wouldn't have gone well with anyone. It would have made a lot of people really unhappy, and I don't want it to be about me. I would have thrown it in after the third round, though. I would have been completely happy with the fight stopping there. I saw no reason for it to go on after that. And, of course, it went on for 10 minutes thereafter. When my fighters fight, I can't put myself in their place. I wish my trainers would have stopped a couple fights earlier. They never stopped fights back in the day, especially boxing. I love these guys, but it's also not good for them. I'm sure I've taken away a lot of potential wins. Imagine if Yuri Prohaska's corner threw in the towel in the middle of the fifth round against Glover Teixeira. Um, and then he goes on to say this, Kenny, and I really wanted you to hear this. 
Glover's smiling, telling everyone he's fine, even though you could tell he wasn't. I'm so good right now. I love life. I love this. But he wasn't saying it with a little less, you know, or he was saying it with a little less, right? His mouth wasn't moving as much. That's for sure. That's my last cornering. I'm never going to work a corner again. Uh, Kenny, your thoughts on all that? Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Cam Flo, you're muted. I love you, though. This is a guy, sorry about that. This is a guy, John Hackleman, who knows Glover and has been with Glover longer than any of those guys. Uh, he has known uh, Glover well over a decade, and he understands where Glover was at way back when, over a decade ago, to where he's at now. And if he's seeing him react differently, even though, you know, you have, it's not just what someone is saying, it's what they're doing, it's how they're acting, it's how they're, you know, what their mannerisms are, are like. All those little subtle things are, are things that, like, a guy like John Hackman is going to pick up. I tweeted something yesterday, you know, how do you decide on stopping a fight early or late? I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, and, and I, I guess I'll just read. Does the completion of this fight tonight help this fighter perform better tomorrow? Or does the fight tonight hurt to, to, to hurt them and performing better tomorrow? Right. It's like, what are they gaining out of this performance? You know, even in even in the win, it's like maybe that extra two minutes of fight time takes away their ability to have seven, eight, nine, ten fights or hurts their ability, you know, to to be quicker or to react quicker. All these things that could be devastating to a fighter. You know, you go back, whether it's boxing or MMA, you see fighters after that fight. They are not the same, not because of confidence, because physically they are more disabled than they were before. So, these are the things that we need to take into consideration is, you know, how much are we investing, you know, now to get later on? And sometimes it's just not worth the squeeze and you have to cut your losses and say, you know what, we're going to live to be, uh, you know, stop uh, right now, stop this fight so we can be better next time. Um, because a lot of times you see this and the, and the warrior comes out and you love to see it. But if they don't have a chance in winning that fight, or if you feel like that extra two minutes is going to hurt your fighter uh, in the future, then, uh, you know, you got to stop the fight. It's the health of the fighter versus the career of the fighter. And sometimes that gets very hazy. I'll definitely admit that. It can be a tough decision to make, but it's something that needs to be taken into consideration. And I think John Hackleman has been around this sport for a long time. He's seen the effects on other guys, right, that he has coached. And uh, I don't think he really wants to be a part of it anymore. Brian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, first off, John Hackleman's self-awareness there was, and he's holding himself accountable for maybe I was wrong. Maybe that's really nice to see. Uh, I really respect that man. Uh, I mean, he goes back obviously a million years with, with Chuck and everything, and he's a great coach. 
Um, I agree with everything what Kenny said. It's such a weird spot because as a non-fighter, you know, what 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 of my position is, what do I say here? And I'm always quick to throw in the towel too. I don't like seeing people get beat up. And I was calling for the fight to be stopped with the Glover fight. But the only thing that I guess I gives me a little bit of solace was he knew that was last fight. He probably was like, let me go out on my shield. This is I'm I'm done after this. No matter what, I'm done after this. I'm in Brazil. I'm getting my shot. Let me go out there. Maybe that's why there was his other cornermen were hesitant to throw in the towel. And then obviously, no one predicted him to get mountain and you know do what he did in the fifth round, which is like, oh well, he's mounting a little bit of a comeback here. So it's such a tough situation. The Lauren Murphy fight is another one. I know she's her coach has got some heat. She's made some statements as well. Um, and it's just a really tough spot when you're when you're in a corner. I mean, the corner gets heat. I also would put a little bit on the referee, especially in the Lauren Murphy fight. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be biased or sexist here. Lauren Murphy has taken some really big shots. Those those sounds of those shots were pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and Osiris yeah. Maya didn't even yeah. close not, the not distance one time. The guy was re- like reading a book in there. I'm like, buddy, can you get <laughs> in there a little bit? What are you doing? But um, yeah. yeah, so Glover ending his career like this, I think it's it, he went out the way he wanted to go out. The guy's an absolute fucking stud. Much respect to Glover. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough situation. I'm, I'm glad I don't make those decisions. Yeah, and I don't know if it was so much John Hackleman admitting fault as much as he was sort of thankful that when the fight did continue, damage in that fifth round was minimized and Glover did end up getting the mount. And, you know, as yeah. I've said, I don't know that there's any sort of validation or vindication because Teixeira had a good fifth round. And candidly, like if Glover Teixeira had submitted Jamal Hill in the first round, I don't think he takes the gloves off and retire. I think he takes that show money and the accompanying pay-per-view points for the Yuri Prohaska defense. He wants that Prohaska fight back in the worst way. And even against Hackleman's best wishes, I'm not so sure that Teixeira would have retired. Now, mid-fight in the middle of this one, yes, right? Mm -hmm. I think with Ingrid Teixeira there, I think they all recognized that, all right, if you're going to take an appreciable amount of damage in this fight, we're not going to make the walk again. Mm-hmm. The Lauren Murphy fight obviously is interesting. I thought the referee maybe could have bailed them out. But as a corner yeah. man or woman, you sort of have to be convicted enough to make that decision and not want the yeah. referee to bail you out. Lauren Murphy has said on social media, I thought the referee might stop it after round two. And even you could see Mark Goddard and John Hackleman sort of intimated that Mark Goddard went over to the corner and was maybe seeing if they might stop it, the Teixeira corner, and they didn't and I do think I think you know Mark Goddard Jason Herzog gold standard and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really challenging in a championship setting I think Keith Peterson learned his letting learned his lesson in the Dominic Cruz fight you know early stoppages in championship settings I mean Kenny I guess I know I'm all over the place but like when you're fighting for a title right like I feel like fighters just really should be given a, 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 a I hate to say this right but I don't know. I think it's really hard for a referee in a title fight to um to to get involved. You know, listen. You can't tell a fighter to stop. It's and it's not the fighter's job to stop. Their their job is to fight and making a decision where you are emotionally invested, spiritually invested, physically invested in all this time and preparation, all the years of practice for that moment, especially for a world championship moment. A fighter's not going to make the right choice, okay? I'm I'm talking about myself and everybody involved in that situation. You want your coaches, your referees, everybody on the periphery to make that decision for you. Um, And I don't know. 
again, it's like, uh, how much is it worth it? I was talking to one of my trainers yesterday. I won't name the, the NFL player, but there's an NFL player from playing who needs reminders of what he needs to do throughout the day. He can't remember anything of where he needs to go, what he needs to do, where he needs to be. I mean, that's not – how much is that worth? How much is your memory worth? How much is your ability to chew your food worth? How much are all those things? So these are are real situations that a lot of different professional athletes that are involved in these hard sports have to deal with. And, um, you know, I think looking back, uh, you know, they they probably would – do things a little bit differently. But when you're in the moment like that, John, it's it's hard for a fighter to make that choice. Yeah. I want to throw this to both of you guys, but Kenny, you know, mm-hmm. one of uh, Lauren Murphy's coaches did say to me, you know, she did get that sort of Kimura attempt in round three. And I don't know if statistically she was even given credit for a submission attempt. Maybe she was, right? But I do think that for these coaches, right, they are in a hard position. And Luke Thomas has sort of spoken about this, right? Who knows a fighter better than their coach? Well, that can be to the fighter's detriment, right? Because unlike the Teixeira fight, right, even though to me, I don't put as much stock in him mounting Jamal Hill, right? Like, I think, you know, I think too much maybe is made of that. Um, But I felt like the Murphy outcome was just such an eventuality that maybe they could have gotten involved. You know, there was just no moment where I thought she was going to win the fight. The Kimura attempt didn't seem like anything significant to me. But, you know, that would be what their corner would say as to maybe why they allowed her to fight and, and have some evidence as to why she was still in it. Yeah, listen, I I think just because I'm grabbing your arm or I have a Kimura grip on you does not mean that I actually have a Kimura. You need to be in the right position. And unfortunately, she just wasn't in the right position. I would love to see some kind of statistic of people who have attempted a Kimura in a professional mixed martial arts match from half guard and how many have been completed. Okay, yeah. I, I, it would yeah. be a very, very low percentage. Well, there you go. If yeah. we're talking about elite yeah. uh, mixed martial arts, it just doesn't happen very often. And here's the other thing. Yes, it is true. A coach will know that fighter better than anybody else. But can we also be honest that they also are the most biased party involved? Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only are you emotionally invested in that fighter and you want them to win of course but also yeah. there's the ego involved right it's like i want my fighter to go out there and win and i don't want to be the guy that stops the fight um and again i i, I say that for me that's a difficult decision to make right so i don't know i think you know conversations need to be had between fighters and coaches and i think the sport is still young and we haven't quite seen the effects that the that it can take on a fighter. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe things will change. And that's, I think, why we're seeing John Hackman take that stance right now. Yeah. 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 All I right. mean, the Lauren, the Lauren Murphy situation, ahead, real Brett. quick, John, the one thing I want to say about that is she referenced the Joanna fight with Wei Li Zhang, where Joanna had the big lump on her head. And she goes, hey, how come no one was the upper of that fight? Well, the difference is, is that was a very close fight. And some people thought Ioana won. In my opinion, Lauren Murphy got two 10-8s. And if you look at how many finishes Lauren Murphy has in round three, which is none, what are the chances of her coming back and finishing? I know anything can happen in MMA, but it's like you got to really do some statistics and analyzing and figure out what's going to really happen in that third round. So that's all I want to say yeah. on the situation. No, that's uh, very important uh, to add to the conversation. And you're right. I thought Ioana Young Jacek won that fight. And so yeah. for me, there's really no point of comparison. Uh, Before I get into the standings and a few things on UFC 283, Bri, Jamal Hill 
Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just curious what your thoughts were on the performance, the grappling, the ability to sort of thrive at a championship setting on the road, despite not having what amounted to a championship training camp. Your thoughts on the new UFC light heavyweight champ. Unbelievable. I mean, this guy was 14th pro fight on short notice in Brazil. And uh, I'm, I was one of the ones that doubted him. I picked Glover. I bet Glover won the few bets I lost. I was on fire all night. And uh, I just thought matchup wise, this was if you look at the rankings in the top 15, there's not really anybody besides maybe Ankalaev and maybe Jan Blachowicz that can really wrestle and take you down. Most of them are strikers. And so I'm like, if Jamal Hill gets past his Glover test, this is going to be a guy with a, with a serious problem. Like He's going to be hard to beat. And I thought he did great in that first round. Glover shot a lot. He had uh, a body lock, tight body lock. And Jamal got out of all that when he slowed down just yep. a little bit. Did he get taken down? But he got back up. He got mounted, got back up. And the one thing I really, really love, three weeks notice, I know he hired a nutritionist, you guys mentioned on the broadcast, but this guy was dog tired and he was still throwing. He was still, he did not put, you know, his hands were down, but he was still throwing. He was still uh, cautioned to the win. He's a very exciting fighter. And, and I, I am over the moon for this guy. I am team sweet dreams now. Um, yeah, and my my everyone's talking about the Alex Pereira fight, which would be unbelievable. They're zooming in on Pereira's face when he shook Jamal's hand in the cage. They're building that up, which would be I- incredible because, I mean, Pereira can make two or five. Pereira can be a heavyweight. Let's be honest. The guy's huge. But I really want to see the Yuri fight. Yuri's little video he posted in the snow screaming at the camera. I mean, that yeah, guy's a yeah. lunatic. I mean, that's what I want to see. And if, yeah. Yuri, if Jamal wants to stay active, then I, I really think you slide Ant Goliath in there. Anthony Smith's the name that can get brought up in there. Um, but I'm 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 super high in this kid. I'm not doubting him ever again. That's for sure. This Prohaska is just out of his fucking skull piece. Huh? You got to <laughs> love him. Uh, and the addition of Chef Ian Larios to the camp of Jamal Hill and the value of that just can't be overstated. Three weeks for him in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Kenny can obviously speak to this and just how valuable somebody on that level can be. Ian is a long-distance runner, a supremely conditioned athlete in his own right, super, super humble, and his system is outstanding. I think he comes from that Lockhart Leith school, if I'm not mistaken, but Ian is truly the best of the best. And now Jamal Hill is going to be all in as far as that is concerned. And if Jamal Hill goes all in when it comes to the nutrition and really does what Ian says and lives more of a championship lifestyle, uh over a calendar year and commits to the strength and conditioning, right? I really think it's interesting to see what the actual ceiling could be. We know the ceiling is UFC championship right now, but what actually is the ceiling in terms of how good this guy could be? Because there's no denying the natural ability as a basketball player, as a football player, as a striker, as a grappler. Dude's the real deal. Plus athlete. You know what? United States of America, by the way. By the way, you know, were you guys born in the U.S.? Were you guys born in the U.S.? Cody, you born in the fucking U.S.? Let's go. Okay. Okay. Got him. All right. I mean, I know the belt was in New England in Danbury, Connecticut, and we'll lay claim to that championship as well. I mean, Glover <laughs> Teixeira is American too. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. They get very upset in Sabral Yaminis Jadice when I say that Glover Teixeira is American. I was like, the belt's coming to Danbury. Sorry. I was like, the belt's coming to Danbury. And then I'm like, Minas Jadice. Minas Jadice. <laughs> I promise he'll be in Sabralia in a couple of weeks. Um, all right. Kenny, I. Uh, I know uh, you're with us early today. Do you know how, how you did at UFC 283? Do you know uh, how well you did or no? I don't know. I think I did okay, but I, I, I definitely know I'm not, I'm not leading the standings here. I'm a little nervous. 
Well, you certainly closed the gap with okay. a six okay. and O at UFC yeah. 283 for Kenny Florian. If you're paying attention at home now, you know, chalky as fuck, right? All favorites. <laughs> a couple of them, though, Brandon Moreno and Jamal Hill were very close, right? So none of yeah. those were underdogs, but it is a plus $600 okay. after Ken Flo wax a six and O. You got a good price on Brandon Moreno, minus 110, closed on DraftKings Sportsbook mm-hmm. at minus 130. Petrie, you know, always in the fucking black, this guy, Brian Petrie, right? You should be tailing this guy. Four and two overall, switched up his pick midweek from Davison Figueredo to Brandon Moreno. Very sage move at that. Did take a shot on Shogun Hua, had the two units on Glover, but still in the black as opposed to red, plus 100 for Petrie, unless I'm mistaken. So the standings right now, Brian Petrie plus 435 American dollars. Uh, Kenny Florian minus $115. And uh, yeah, right there. And Kenfo, you just eliminated a lot of that red after. Uh, that, you know. that I took a gamble, Vieira, man. I that took a gamble on Kellen Vieira early yeah, on. Yeah, you did. Ay, ay, ay. Perhaps a uh, a lesson in betting women's mixed martial arts. I don't know. All right, <laughs> a few things, Bry, that we did not get to in the Monday show yeah. that we would like to get to with you, Jailton Maliaginho Almeida. Bonafide UFC heavyweight contender. Cody will chase a ranking for me. I'd imagine this man has a number next to his name, sort of throwing around a bear, a credentialed combat sambo master like Shamil Abdurrahimov, essentially like it's nothing. Uh, Your thoughts on Jailton Almeida and how you expect the promotion to proceed with the uh, budding heavyweight contender? Yeah, so when you're working, John, I rarely text you. I text you his last time out against Parker Porter and went, whoa. Because this guy is is a freak. I mean, he, he was a 205-pounder of the contender series, took a catch weight at 220, weighed in at 218. Is he a real heavyweight? Not he weighed in this weekend at 232, still 30 pounds less than Shamil, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He got clipped with a right hand. I had a lot of I, – I I did the one cardinal sin as a, as a capper. You never go above, you know, whatever your number is. Mine's 700. If a guy's 700, I'm not touching him. I touched – Jalton, every which way, finish everything. I chased TKO, and I'm lucky I got it. But he got hit with a right hand, ate it well for being, you know, 30 pounds undersized. But once he gets to the ground, I, I the only thing that my critique was is he's a he's a high level jujitsu black belt, and he was just really hunting for submissions. He really wanted to get a submission. He wasn't punching a lot. He wasn't setting anything up in the very first round. And then when the punches started coming, more things were open to him. And then he just was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll just pound him out." But this guy is a problem no matter where he's at. I kind of think he should stay at heavyweight, if I'm being honest with you, you know, because the 205, yeah. I mean, why cut all the weight when you're going to be okay at heavyweight? Um, but, yeah, I think you throw him to the Sharks at this point. I really, really do. I think you give him top 15 guy, top 12 guy. Cody just sent the rankings in here. Um, See, yeah, I so would go even higher, Bri, right? Yeah. He, he debuts, I, mean, I guess, at number 14. And when you yeah. look at, say, Volkov at 8, Derek Lewis at 7, Tommy Aspinall on the mend at 6, yeah. Tai Ivasa's 5, Curtis Blades 4, Sergey Pavlovich 3, Stipe Miacic 2, Sirogan 1, John Jones is lurking, and Ganu's out of the mix, Ken Flo. I kind of feel like... I mean, you know, maybe Curtis Blades too much too Curtis soon Blades in a main event, right? Down. But, like, I mean, yeah. what are we doing here with Jailton Almeida? There are plenty of guys that get fast-tracked, right? I mean, you want to wet your beak with, like, Jarzinho Rosenstrike in a main event? What are we doing with Jailton Almeida? Dude, let's cut to the chase. Sergey Pavlovich against Jailton Almeida. Just let him just fight. Let's go. Main event. Main event on a fight night. 
Well, so that's a true, to me, that's a true heavyweight title eliminator. And I think because both guys are so, you know, not necessarily fresh as a daisy, but, you know, Bella the ball right now. Gosh, all these fucking cliches. Dude, how good would that fight, though? I I got It would be great. But I think promotionally, they probably don't want to, like, kill those one of those two birds in a fight with each other. Maybe they would. I don't know. But I do think for a guy like Jailton, there's going to be a little bit of a log jam, even if you wanted to fast track him. You go Jones and Seattle gone, then you do the Steep Bay fight, and then that could even put us January 2024. So guys getting a big fight regardless. And I have to say the humility of this Brazilian is a sight to behold. I mean, what a quote, right? I'm talking about his star power. And and he says, yes, I mean, it's, it's nice to get the shine. It's nice to be the 2022 rookie of the year, but... There's so much work ahead for me and my training partners and my coaches. That's what he said. And it's oh, like, okay, yeah. To hear right? that. And so that, fight, he kept pushing his to his teammate, Carlos Felipe, fought in the UFC. Like, Jalton, who do you want next? He's like, I'll get my get my guy back in the UFC. It was all about his buddy that used to fight in the UFC. His buddy popped for a few things, but you know, that's not here or there. But yeah, so uh, uh I thought that was great humility. And then he shot on DC, which was great. Is that Carlos Felipe putting over his buddy, right? After the fight, putting over his buddy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. So we have a few more minutes here with Brian Petrie. So I got to tell you guys, and uh, this is not just me putting over my guy, but Brian Petrie essentially says to us, you know, Bruno Fajeda has got one way to win against Gregory Rodriguez. It's by first round knockout, play him at plus 700. Mm-hmm. And uh, you cash that ticket, Brian. Yeah, it was a nice little ticket. I got a little worried. I mean, he, he landed a left hook early in that round and, and Robocop took it well. And I went, oh, okay. He took it pretty well. And then obviously we saw what happened. But yeah, man, some things just stick in my head. And and I've lost more money on Robocop than I've won. But when you get knocked out by Jordan Williams, an undersized guy at 85 on the contenders, that's going to stick in my head, right? And then you get a guy who's a one-round fighter who's going to knock you out, who's maybe a little undersized. I think maybe 170 is Bruno Ferrara's true weight class. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was over the moon with that one. That was a big hit. And then getting uh getting Gilbert Burns by submission in the first round was a nice little hit for me as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gilbert Burns, nice. he's, he's so dynamic on the ground. I, I figured that was going to be the case. What do you think they do with that that triumvirate of uh Bilal Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington? You think they get two of those three to fight each other or what? Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think since, you know, I thought Bilal was next up. I thought he was going to London to fight uh, Edwards. But obviously, Usman's hand's going to heal up. They're going to do that. So I'd give Bilal Chemayev because that's what Bilal wants. And I yep. think Bilal is going to be a really tough matchup for Chemayev. And then you give you give Burns um, and Colby. Covington. Yeah. 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 And then they're all playing these Photoshop games with the Ultimate Fighter and stuff like that, which I think is great. I'm tuned into it. I think those four... Basically, a title eliminators is what we want. Yeah. Is what we need. Yeah, John, that makes. What yeah. have you heard in regards to Chimaev? Because there was talk. I, I forget who it was. They were saying that he he is going to be a hundred and eighty five pounder now. Is is yeah. is, is that right true? Now. What the heck's going on? So his coaches, Andreas Michael, wanted him to stay on a welterweight championship trajectory, and something I think has uh, has happened on the way to the forum, and it looks mm-hmm. like yeah, he wants to uh, he wants to go to middleweight. I think he I think he just feels like he can be a champion really almost up to 205. So um yeah, yeah I don't know. We'll suffering. see. But yeah, obviously that fight would not be there for for Bilal if indeed his next fight is at middleweight. Um Brian, before we let you go, yeah. the Bonfim brothers, Gabriel and Ismael, pretty exciting to see what they could do uh with that first UFC opportunity. Who do you think the ceiling's higher for? Unfair you know, question. 
Well, so you go in and everyone was talking about Gabriel, the younger one. I had him in my parlay. Everyone kind of chirped at me. Oh, contender series guys in a parlay. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. But these guys fought in the UFA. They're the real deal. But I thought Ishmael looked better to me. I thought his stand-up looked great. I thought he looked fast. I thought he looked quick against a very dangerous Terrence McKinney. I mean, Terrence McKinney in that first round is a problem from anyone. And Ishmael was not afraid of him, was timing him, was countering him, and looked really good. But that guillotine game sucked up on uh, on Munir Lazez is that was tight. When he got that, I'm like curtains. It's a wrap. I'm like I'm not trying to call too soon, but it was a wrap on that. Yeah. Um, I I like the ceiling better for Ishmael. If I'm being honest with you, I know Gabriel's the younger one, and people people kind of put him a, a little above Ishmael. But I like I like the the little bit older one, the 145er. Um, or the 155, excuse me. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but they're both exciting, man. They both have a wealth of experience coming in too. Yeah. I think they could have had a shot in the USC without going through the contenders, but it is what it is. I think they're legit prospects. All right, buddy. On social media, you can find Brian at Brian Petrie MMA. We got 30 seconds left with you, my man. I just wanted yeah. to say in closing, I think I might get Jessica Andrade's face tattooed on like my left pet. <laughs> I'll do it with you. I'll do it with you. I'll get I'll get it anywhere non-visible, like thigh, stomach, over my belly button. I don't know, whatever. Dude, I'm with you. She's one of my favorite fighters. She is such a badass. Is it, is it with or without the the headdress that she had? Is that because that's pretty oh, cool? Yeah, that's gonna Whoa. be that's gonna that's a long session, John. That's gonna yeah. you're gonna be there for a couple hours with yeah. the headdress. Yeah. No headdress, just okay. just Jessica Andrade headshot on my left pectoral. It'll cover the whole thing. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, you know, well, I, I was going to do the Brazilian flag, but I don't know that that gives enough appreciation sure. for Jessica. No, I have two daughters. I probably can't devote that much of my, I mean, you can imagine I live in Florida every other day we're going in the pool and, uh, who's that honey? You know, yeah. Jessica it gets a little sensitive towards the nipple too, John. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you want to go Jessica, down that Jessica route. Doesn't feel great, yeah. Johnny. Yeah. yeah. So be careful, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll do it too. 15 UFC wins, put her in the hall of fame. Yeah, As I've I said, there would only be one athlete right now, I guess, other than Rafael Dos Anjos, where I would feel the need to go to Zach Candido or Craig Borsar or go to Dana White and say, you got to put Andrade in the Hall of Fame, yeah. you know, and hopefully she could fucking slam somebody on her way out to uh, accept. Unbelievable. She's unbelievable. All right, hey, thanks for the time, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your day with the kids. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Absolutely, boy. See ya. All right, folks, a lot more to get to before we bounce on out of here. And here we go when it comes to the National Football League. Four NFL teams are left two conference championship games and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, as most of you know, I bet on sports every day, and I'm counting it down to Super Bowl 57. And new customers right now can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer, not a problem. Still plenty of opportunities. Same game, parlays are live. You can take your shot at an even bigger payout. Boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. All right, AFC title game. Bengals now slight favorites against the Kansas City Chiefs. You heard Petrie talk about it. I'm not sure if that's sharp money or not, but I like Cincinnati. NFC title game. Eagles have swelled to two and a half point favorites at home against the San Francisco 49ers. I am monitoring this line closely, might even buy a half a point, uh, but almost assuredly, I will have a 49ers ticket on DraftKings Sportsbook come Sunday and a good time for you to get in on the action as you watch our show right now. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, now joining us on the guest line, as promised, head pro team MMA coach of Fight Ready in Arizona. Look at this guy. Obviously, here right on the screws, Santino DeFranco is with us. This guy's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's a renaissance man. No surprise that uh, that he answered the wake-up call this morning. Good morning, my man. How are you? Good morning. Good to see you. So do, should I hold my phone vertical or horizontal on this? Does it matter? Cody can chime in. I mean, you look great to me. Yeah, it's up to I, you. Yeah, you sound like I'm good. sideways. So, um... So you are like embedded in this MMA betting space as well with your podcasts and predictions and everything else. I know you have a new studio, if I'm not mistaken. So we have a million things we would like to get into with you today. But I guess let's start there. Uh, You're pretty avid when it comes to tracking these lines and monitoring the fights week to week like everybody else. I am. I am. I love it. I love it. I love watching fights. I love like watching film. And, and it's a riddle to me, but actually that's one of the things I love about coaching too. It's actually probably my favorite thing about coaching fighters right now is uh, the film study. When I get it right, you know, sometimes you get it wrong and you know, everything sucks when you get it wrong, but uh, I love film study. I love watching film. I love breaking down fights. So. So I think you first surfaced on my radar in 2009. I might've even ended up in a car with you at some point during season one of Bellator, but Jason Chambers, my broadcast partner at the time had mentioned your name and how highly he thought of you. And, and here we are 14 years later. Um, But basically part of the reason you're here today is because of your memoir. There are no hospitals in Russia and I'm holding it up right now. So rudely covering your name, you can find it right now on amazon.com, but essentially after a brain aneurysm and subsequent surgery, uh, you went from being a fighter to doing a lot of different things. You hung up the gloves and, and now you write and you coach and we'll get into your businesses obviously as well. But can you tell us a little bit about your history as far as all that is concerned and, and how you were able to so quickly and successfully pivot at that time in your life? Yeah. Well, after a brain aneurysm, you know, you're kind of left with like, what the hell do you do when, when getting punched in the face for a living it? Well, I, I mean, you know, Kenny, I mean, it's not much of a living if you're not, you know, really making a lot of money. If you're not at the higher ranks of the UFC, I mean, it's barely a living, but it's a dream, you know? And so once you can't get punched in the head anymore, like, what do you do? And so, um, you know, immediately I started pivoting trying to do different stuff. Um, you know, got a, got a job at a financial institution. And and then, you know, I, I ended up going back to MMA and I was actually on the ultimate fighter after uh, I had brain surgery, got cleared to fight again and uh you know tried to fight but at at that point i just sucked it was a a mental thing um some days i would show up to fight and other days i would freak out like i'm gonna die like not oh i might get hit or i'm gonna get hurt like legitimately i'm going to die And, and you can't do that as a fighter and uh so so after that i i eventually just just went to grad school kind of got out of the sport for a little while and then eventually got back into coaching and um you know, I'm, I'm glad I did because I, I love the sport and it's hard to just give something up a hundred percent that, that you love. So Tina, I want to ask you about the coaching, you know, first of all, do you follow like a system that you have every fighter that you work with kind of, um, be a part of and follow, or do you cater training to each individual fighter, uh, when, when they seek your help? So a little bit of both. I mean, you, all, all coaches, I'm assuming every coach, uh, you know, there is, they have certain tendencies that, that we teach, you know, there's certain things that I like to do. There's certain habits or certain moves or certain things, of course, like just on a regular level, those are, those are things that I'm going to do that we all tend to do. 
on a when fights come up though everyone is individual like i i hate trying to force things on fighters because you might have john jones who's what six four with the longest reach on the planet and then right next to him we have calvin gastulum and i can't coach those two people the same um so and then they're fighting different people so everybody has a different skill set they've got different aptitudes they've got different bodies they're everything is so different to try to do a one, you know, a one fits all, it, I think would be a horrible idea, not only to the athlete, but to the fight as well. Like every fight is so different. Somebody is a Southpaw, somebody's a wrestler, somebody's this, somebody's that. So every single fight is, is its own film study is its own fight. And then I have to take the things that I do and my knowledge with uh, the athlete and their skill set, coupled with the fight, in front of them. And we got to have kind of a marriage of, of all of those things for, for success. And so, Tino, I, I wanted to ask you, we were discussing earlier stoppages uh, for fighters when they're in trouble. Is there a scenario or set of scenarios where you would stop the fight? When zombie was uh, fighting Volkanovsky, I, I looked over to Eddie Cha and I said, Hey, we got to stop the fight. We got to throw this towel in. Um, and in Herb stopped it, you know, beforehand, but that was, hundred percent when Frankie signs was fighting um, Jonathan Martinez in between rounds, we were like, Hey, Frankie, we might have to stop this fight. Like, Hey, this, this isn't going well. And, and I don't remember if we ended up stopping that or if uh, I think that might've been Herb as well. Fights should be stopped more. Look like we love a comeback story. We love um, like Drew Fickett fought, uh, you, you know, Drew Fickett from back in the day. I trained, trained with yeah. Drew for years. He fought Koscheck and was mauled for 14 minutes and like 45 seconds. Threw a kick, kind of a knee, hit him on the way in, choked him out with like five seconds left. Like we love a comeback story. We love a Cinderella story. But one, Fickett was getting out wrestled. He wasn't getting hurt. And, and, and that's the thing, man, is, is irreparable brain damage isn't good for anyone. And probably 99 times out of 100 – it doesn't help anyone. Like they still lose. Like, you know, I mean, I can almost tell when a fighter's going to lose like two minutes into a fight. I mean, it's, it's almost inevitable. Like, you know how, how this tide is going. Cause you know, the fighter and stuff. And there's no reason for these fighters to take more damage. We take so much damage. Um, I, I think the um, Laura Murphy fight should have been stopped. I, I think uh, even the Glover fight, even though it ended up not being as bad as, as we thought it was going to be in that fifth round, I think that should have been stopped. It, it didn't change the outcome of the fight. Yeah. But what it did do is it took a, a, another year or two off of his life. Yeah, right. Hey, by the way, in terms of Drew Fickett, so Ken, Kenny Florian, a little history with Drew Fickett. I mean, you guys probably know this, right? Combat Zone 7 Gravel Pit in fucking Revere, Massachusetts, July 10th, <laughs> 2004, so Kenny loses a split decision, but UFC president Dana White is so impressed with Ken Flo in defeat that that lays the foundation for Kenny to be on season one of the ultimate fighter. Am I fucking wrong? That's what, that's what happened. That, that exactly was the first right. time I actually got hit in the face in a mixed martial arts fight. So thank you, Drew, for punching me in the face. Now I want to ask the, the important question though, is uh, did you go out drinking with Drew after that? I, I did not, but I have seen <laughs> Drew out there and uh, he, he commits very hard to that. <laughs> Or he that? commits. He's full <laughs> huh. send always. Huh. <laughs> yes, full send indeed. So the title, excuse me, of your memoir, There Are No Hospitals in Russia. I'm curious if 
No sooner did you decide to write a memoir than you knew that that was going to be the title because I think it's incredible. But talk us through the title, if you would. So I was uh, after my brain aneurysm, the very first fight that I came back to was Bodog fight in St. Petersburg, Russia. So I, I hadn't fought in years. Um, you know, I had a brain aneurysm. I took that fight on, on a couple weeks notice and actually I'd gotten married March 3rd and we're, we're going to have like a, uh, kind of a reception for reception for some friends and family. And my mother flew out to Phoenix, but I got that call. And so I flew to Russia. So as I was flying to Russia, she was flying to Phoenix. Uh, so we did not have a reception. So I'm, I'm there on the second fight on the card and I'm, you know, we're in Russia. It's a cold arena in April in Russia. Vladimir Putin is front row. So is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Silvio Berlusconi, like, it's like, this is a thing. And I'm over here, like, hey, I haven't fought in years and I have a brain huh. aneurysm. So let's, let's huh. go. And uh, so the first huh. fight goes out. And, and, and then there's a delay with the, the first fight and the second fight, which I am. And I don't remember if it was the ropes or what I think they're tightening the ropes because there's a, a ring, not a cage. And so as they're, as the first fighter is coming back, he is just bloodied up battered beaten and he is vomiting in the, the shower we're in like a hockey arena locker room and he's vomiting in the shower and just blood everywhere like puking up like he's puking and then there's blood and you can't tell if it's blood or puke or this or that or what and he's like hey i, I need to go to the uh, hospital and somebody there was like kind of half joking and half saying they're like a hospital you're not going to a hospital you're in russia there are no hospitals in russia like you're not we're not doing that. And uh, then like short, like probably five seconds after that, they're like, all right, DeFranco, you're up. And I'm like, huh? Like, <laughs> okay, well, here we go. And uh, anyway, so that, that's where the, the name of the memoir comes from is, uh, is that little moment right after my brain aneurysm that, uh, you know, coming back from it, my first fight back. And you just said DeFranco, are you telling me that we've all been butchering your name on live television all these years calling you DeFranco? Oh, for years, for years, you have been DeFrancoing it. And so everybody else is like DeFranco, how come? And I'm like, I don't know why he says DeFranco, but I say DeFranco. Um, and so there's that. So you have been, but it, you know, but I feel though, John, I feel like I can't correct you because it adds a bit of class. Yeah, but like it's, it's an Italian name, right? It's an Italian name though, right? Yeah, you it's say an Italian Italy, name, it's not it French. Franco. It would be DeFranco in Italy, right? I, I don't know. I'm, we're not in Italy. We're in America. And we so, butcher things in America. I was the first man on Safe Saud's bandwagon, and he remembers a conversation in 2013 when I approached him to get the pronunciation of his name. So, like, there's so much love for you on this program. Longo absolutely loves you. And if you know, he's on this oh, show crazy. every week and has been since episode one. And uh, I think he... I mean, we've given you a coach of the year. I think he said you were that guy, I think, in 2021. Um, but DeFranco, oh, my goodness. You know how how seriously I take this pronunciation stuff. So I'm a little bit frazzled right now. I'm pitting out. I don't even know what to do. Okay, but here's a weird thing, though. I'm weird with pronunciations. My name, so growing up, my name is Santino. Everyone, my entire family, everybody, like everyone who has ever met me when I was growing up is Santino. It's, it's Santino. Like my father is like Santino. My sisters call me Santino. Everybody growing up, my name is Santino. And I intentionally switched it kind of as an adult because nobody knows what the hell I'm saying. 
And so you go to Starbucks, you go anywhere. And I'm like, Hey, Santino. And they're like, what? I'm like S A N T I N O. And so for years, this would go on. So now I've started like really like enunciating Santino. So people are like, Oh, that's an A, not a, what the hell is that? And so I don't even pronounce my own name correctly. Um, so well, you pronounce it how you want, John. Oh, well, like no. Franco. Now I'm like going Santino DeFranco. I'm doing, but I got I mean, I know it's really, it's personal preference, but yes, we're going to have to have you say your name to tape for the UFC. I think uh, we have a few more minutes with the great Santino DeFranco author of there are no hospitals in Russia, a great memoir. So we could obviously spend hours with you. Um, but a lot of elite talent at fight ready. I mean, Jonathan Pierce's name is obviously in my notes. I was asked recently to come up with three UFC fighters who are not ranked right now, who will be ranked at the end of 2023. And it effectively blew my mind that JSP doesn't have a number next to his name, but Jonathan Pierce, obviously you go way back with Tracy Cortez. I do believe she'll realize a UFC title fight at some point in time. John Jones is walking through those doors. So, um, a lot of exciting things going on right now, uh, needless to say, in the greater Arizona area out there, my man. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, man. I, I'm fortunate to ha- have had – because there, there's probably a lot better coaches out there than me. Um, they just they're, – they're not in the area. They don't have the access. They haven't done the things – you know, they just haven't had the, the exposure that I have. So I'm really fortunate to be where I'm at with who I'm with, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm very, I, I live a very nice life with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I, you and I go way back and I remember around the time you bought this gas station, this shell gas station <laughs> in Phoenix. And now it seems like you also own, and perhaps they are one and the same, but a crispy, crunchy chicken franchise, perhaps at the same location. But I just remember when you were starting out on this endeavor and now you're probably fucking killing it. So uh, what do you have for us on that? So here's, here's a weird thing about owning a gas station is actually as gas prices go up, that kills me. That kills me so much. Um, I'm not an oil company. I wish I was getting like shell oil money, but I don't, I get, I get crispy, crunchy chicken uh, revenue. Um, And so when, when gas prices go up, it actually shrinks into my, into my margin but my cost of goods sold goes way up, goes through the roof. Um, but then people buy less gas and then they're in my store less. So they buy less merchandise as well. So it really cripples me. Um, but then of course, when gas prices drop, I get those costs of goods back, um, you know, and then, then slowly the, the whole thing kind of, kind of helps out, but uh, I love it, man. I, I, I really like it. It's way more work than I ever thought. And it's more regulated than, than anything I could have ever imagined the permits, the health permits, the gas permits. I mean, I have underground tanks. I'm getting hit with permit fees and, you know, everything that you can get hit with every single day. But, uh, man, if, if I could quit everything and go own 27 gas stations and like, just, just be slinging gas, just spouting it off to everybody out there, man, I'd probably ride into the sunset. Well, that's great, man. And it's really great to see you find your footing in all these different areas. We're obviously all thrilled that you decided to get back in the MMA space. And needless to say, you've carved out uh, more than a niche. So congratulations on everything. If you want more from uh, Santino DeFranco on social media, it's just like that. One word, Santino DeFranco. And I'm going to commit that to the brainstem. We'll get it right on the air next time. But uh, But now how are they going to spell it? See if you say Santino. Well, I know how to spell it. it. I know how to spell it. I know that there is absolutely no fucking right. I know there's no fucking space between D E and uh, 
and Franco. Oh, hey, before I go, there's I, I got to fight about that with my wife because she is like, huh. everyone's like, oh, it, this is a thing. She's like, you know, people ask, oh, is there a, is it D-E capital F or lowercase F? And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And she's like, no, it, it matters. Like, this is huh. like, it does matter. And they're like, oh, you know, people ask, is there a space between D-E and the F? And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. She's like, no, there is a freaking, like, this stuff matters. So what I've decided, because I've had to make a hard stand on this, is it's capital D, lowercase E, no space, right? capital F. Yes. And uh, so that's how we do things around here. Well, yeah. And, and we're an attention to detail podcast. So if you check our show rundown today, you can be sure that your name was spelled correctly. And I will say in terms of it mattering or not on the way out. The space thing really fucking matters because our lead pay-per-view producer, Michael <laughs> LaPlante, has had to deal with that space between law and plants ah. his whole life. And it's been a real pain in the ass. So uh, be thankful you don't have the space. <laughs> Santino, I, uh, I'll take it. Go down. ahead. All right. Santino DeFranco, have a great rest of your day, buddy. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. See you, man. Santino DeFranco joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I mean, that's really going to fuck with me. We got both of those names wrong. <laughs> All right. Don't forget Kenny Florian martial arts.com. I mean, if you're not on that website and you practice Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at all, like what are you fucking doing with your life? Also, don't forget Anakin Florian rewind is an exclusive segment we do for UFC fight pass as and that you can, you know, we look back at a UFC fight together and sometimes it features our commentary. Sometimes it doesn't, but a pretty cool segment there. Uh, but big picture, you know, the Anakin Florian podcast, never going to be behind a paywall. It's right here for you. Thanks to DraftKings. Obviously, the press release went out this week. Full episodes on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Clips on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. If that's somehow not working out for you, let us know at Anakin pod at Cody underscore Mero. And of course, you can find me and Ken Flo on social media as well. And we're going to try to make this as easy for you as possible. Merchandise at AnnaCalorianPodcast.com. Don't forget, remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anna continues to be live on the Anna Florian Podcast YouTube channel every Thursday night. And the one more sleep merchandise, Ken Flo. Thanks to Glover Teixeira for pushing that during UFC Embedded. We've never sold more. Millions.co for your one more sleep. Limited edition city-themed designs for Brazil. We're back in your life next Monday. We will take a look. At UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Spivak. Thank you to our guests, Santino DeFranco and Brian Petrie. A lot to get to over the next coming weeks. UFC Fight Night, of course, in Vegas. And then we're going wheels up to Perth, Western Australia for UFC 284. God help me. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Tell your friends until next week. For Ken Flom, John Anik, you'll later. This week's episode didn't have time for the marrow seconds. People had to get going, but I had some notes here that I wanted to get to you guys as fans. UFC 283, eight sibling pairs are currently in the UFC. The Bonfim brothers are the first to debut and win in the same night. So congratulations to them. Be excited to see what they do in the UFC. Uh, Brian Butler's Instagram, he posted photos of Jamal Hill in the airplane as they were going home for from UFC 283 from Brazil. It was Jamal's first time in Brazil. On the way back, the UFC put him in first class, but his team was in coach. And Jamal said that it was uncomfortable for him. He just wanted to be with his team and he kept going back and sneaking them food and you know bringing them and make sure they were okay. I just thought that, that was amazing, something worth pointing out. 
The next UFC event is February 4th with a 10 p.m. Eastern start time, projected 1 a.m. main card. That means the main event's not going to be till about 3 a.m. Eastern time. So buckle up. Uh, Derek Lewis is a plus 190 favorite, as it, or plus 190 underdog as it sits right now. Alex Pereira is eyeing a May return versus Robert Whitaker, if not Izzy, via Guillermo Cruz from MMA Fighting. Anthony Smith on the Believe You Me podcast addressed the weight miss. He said, I can't even tell you what happened because no matter what I say, there's a reason and there's a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes. So dealing with it head on, it was the first thing he was asked on Bisping's podcast. Uh, credit to Anthony Smith for even going down there and putting in the attempt. And the Merrill Marketing Merrill Seconds for the end of the podcast Philadelphia seems to be the smart play, but respectively, fuck Philly on this program, right? I think it's the Bengals, minus one on DK Sportsbook. The Bengals are 9-1 and one against the spread, and the Chiefs are 0-5 against the spread against teams with a winning record. So, no news on the Mahomes industry injury, but I think the Bengals will pull this one out. That's it for the Marrow Seconds. Peace. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.